Broadcasting live from sunny South Florida, this is KMA Talk Radio. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of fine cigars. Your KMA crew, the Italian scallion, Paul DeGracco, Alex Tavella, a.k.a. The Goat, and always telling it like it is, Honest Abe. I like to smoke them like the Winston Churchill. Good morning to all our loyal listeners, libertarians, and lovers of the leaf. I'm your host, Honest Abe, along with my trusted gang, as always, the Italian scallion, scallion himself, Paul DeGracco, and the man known as the goat, Alex Tavella. We are broadcasting live from hot and sunny South Florida. Um, this is episode number 471. Woo. Coming up that 500. I was just going to say that, man. 500 is coming up quick. What are we going to do? You know, I noticed Dojo. I did a Dojo show, which, by the way, is probably the worst show for a retailer to do. Um, oh, yeah. I that that particular awesome. show, yeah. Really, really bad show for a retailer to do. Why? Because um, of the buy, buy or sell? Buy, sell, or hold. Yeah, I saw, be, yeah. <laughs> the hold. The hold used to be a great cop-out tool, but they limited right. you to three for 20 companies. Oh, and you have smart, no idea, smart, you have, you have no idea what the companies are. So, you know, you're afraid to burn a hold and then you get a whammy later. So it was, it, it's, it's, I used to watch it. So I've been on that episode before. I'm almost, they said no, but I'm 99% sure I have. No, they, you, I don't think so. You did. No, we did a little version. We did a version, but I'm telling you, I, I know I'd done it with them before. I I'd almost bet a signed dollar bill on it. Um, huh. And I believe it was during COVID because I remember being in the pool when I was doing it. So yes, I actually I saw that episode. I think I'm you're telling right. you, I, yeah, I'm you, I think I did it. Yeah, you because you were sitting in the hot tub. Yeah, I, I remember it specifically because so. I remember I was scrolling through Facebook and I just see like you from here up with no shirt on with the blue tiles in your pool behind you. I was like, what the hell am I looking at? And I yeah. saw it with Dojo and I watched it. So, so you might be right, actually. I, I, or maybe but, they did like a mini version of it. They didn't do twenty companies. But what I what I what I told them they really should do that would make it a lot more fun is um, keep track. And then when they can they do this like twice a year or maybe once a year. But then when they get the next group on, review all the predictions from the guys before the prior yeah. show. Yeah. But you know that would be a, that would be a uh, William Cooper length show then because just to and it's really funny because during the break he's like listen we don't want to go long you know don't get too in depth and we were really quick with our answers and it still took us over two hours to just buy sell or hold twenty companies. It's so, so it puts everybody in like a weird situation too because I, well, I they don't really care but no I mean, but they're like oh I love this guy so much and I love their the product well, but you know, you know I got to for me it's kind of easy because if I didn't really buy it for our retail shops then how can I say that's buy an easy it? sell right right I mean I uh, if, true if I didn't yeah. buy it then if I didn't really buy it and it's really funny because I was you know ripping on them a little bit I'm the only one who actually really buys or sells I was going to say as a retailer you're the one that's <laughs> actually who's buy sell and holds or, or right. real. 
That's true. So, very, very interesting uh, show last night with the boys from Dojo. Kept me up a little bit late. You just decided to make a switch to the uh, well. This is the uh, the lobby of the Boardwalk Hotel, uh, the Boardwalk Resort, and somebody said live from Disney. I said, you know what? I want to be live from Disney. Did, did we not? Did, did did we not go over banter last night? Did he just not type it in? We did. Oh, is Alex it? didn't print new ones. Uh, uh, no timeout. I printed it at 930 this morning. So if you made some changes, no, you gotta you don't know. Here's what you don't do though. You for some reason your computer doesn't live update. You have to refresh the page. I'm telling you, I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> back to school for the kids in August. Somebody, all your kids are all back to school, right? Yeah, somebody asked me if I I see it now. Somebody asked me if I took I uh, if I take um uh back to school first day of school pictures did you take first day of school pictures paul, uh, paul? are you fucking kidding <laughs> of course no, we did you know we used to i think that's just yeah because i've seen pic i've seen pictures that you we posted. did when they were young like my two oldest my oldest in high school my other one's like you know, eighth grade you know yeah, petra's not taking a, a back to school yeah picture. i mean we stopped doing it we stopped doing it <laughs> it is kind of funny right kevin <laughs> Paul telling Alex how you should prepare for the show. You know, it's funny. I I was. Um, I don't think it was done in the last ten minutes. I was list. No, I swear to God, it was. It's been Bro, I just pulled it up now, and it was there. It had to be. I'm telling you, you have to refresh it. I didn't um, have to refresh it. Now it's there. You just did it. I I did not. Yeah. I don't know how to prove that I didn't. Actually, yes, I can prove it. There's a there's a data link for when things oh, were updated in there. I'm looking Look at for it. it now. I I'm the admin if you're not. But you know, I was thinking, Abe. We, I was listening to us uh, via podcast the other day on iTunes, and we were talking about the comments, and sometimes we don't read the comments, so the people that listen to us on audio only don't hear us, so I, I want to make it a point to, like, I'll read the comments when we post them. Oh, that's going to be, you can't do that. Well, we'll just say it, no? I mean, well, not for everyone. I mean, if we're going to discuss it, but sometimes we put a comment up that doesn't warrant a discussion in the middle of a conversation. Oh, well, that, yeah, I mean, but when we talk about it, that's what I meant. Like, if we're talking about yeah, a comment, we talk we about a it. comment, but yeah, otherwise, you're not going to stop and read every comment. Are you nuts? I mean, uh, you're not going to try to read every comment you put Not every, no, 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 no. I mean, like, if you were, if we get into a discussion about a comment, like we're yeah. going to comment on it, I would just, we should probably give a little synopsis of it. Like, oh, Kevin says, blah, blah, blah. Did you anybody know? reach out to you or did you just think about this on your own? No, I just thought about it on my own because I was going through, we've, we've had some technical issues with the, with the audio side of the podcast as far as uh, music things. So I was just randomly like listening to us on iTunes the other day and then tried on Spotify and, and all that fun stuff just to make sure things were working. Well, they're bringing up like episodes from like eight years ago when we were using Buffalo soldier as an it's intro so ridiculous. It is and so then, ridiculous. and then they, they're also catching the name that jam. It seems like, Oh, just Spotify. Oh, well, Facebook too. Really? We had a, or was that the intro Alex? The we intro, had an issue uh, with, with which... Facebook last week or two weeks ago. At one time, I think it was a mistake because the intro I is agree. not copyrighted oh, material. Right. Oh, right. So annoying. <laughs> Can we just have a <laughs> Michelle pauser? Paul, you're so responsible. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> you take back to school pictures, right, Alex? No. You don't take a picture of Carmine before you go? What's he in, first grade? 
Yeah, he's, I mean, you get, you get. I feel like you get kindergarten, and then, then that's it. You get your first day, your real first day, and then that's it. I mean, I don't take him. Stephanie does a whole elaborate setup since he since Axel started preschool. This is his second year. I guess he does like he did like a preschool program. Now he does like real VPK, and both years he she like set up his little Toy Story toys in the doorway to watch him leave. Shocking. <laughs> I, I mean, I didn't do it. Shocking. I was told this morning I don't do anything. So I just I have a lot of so I have a lot of comments, only, but I don't so do it's much. Not, it's not only us that say tell it to you. It's your wife. It's a at recurring home. theme we see. <sighs> anyway, uh, would anyway. you like me to to go to the next uh, topic? Because Alex and I sure. were talking about this yesterday during the meeting. The FDA is looking to move forward on banning the word milk from almond milk and soy milk. You seem to be in like high agreement with this, Paul. You know what? Lewis Black did this uh, a stand-up special. His, I think his first HBO stand-up special, and he talked about how it's not almond milk; it's almond juice. And I think his direct line was, "There's no almond titty, so how can there be milk?" <laughs> so I, I agree. We buy it. I don't, it doesn't really bother so, no, me no, no. one way or the you other. You were very not really adamant. Milk. I mean, you jumped yesterday. Oh, well, you're absolutely. So the question is, it's is not it, milk. Is it because people are actually thinking it's some form of milk? Is that what they're trying to Because there are some the stupid if they are. add, if they add very smallly under the word milk substitute, then it's not a problem. So, but here's the, here's the problem. Well, it's really stupid. If we, if we take this to your logical conclusion, Wait, did you butter's gone from peanut butter. <laughs> what is it? But the peanut butter is not butter. That's not butter. So I can't call it peanut butter. I mean, you know, I, I don't disagree with that argument either. You know, there's no ham in a hamburger. So <laughs> ham gone. See you later. I mean, where, where does it end? Be, this could be your most brilliant moment, Alex Tavella. Where does it end? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It is insanity a little bit. I mean, do they? I guess they feel it's misleading that it's a dairy product. But is it? I though? don't know. But is it misleading? I mean, you, are you happy with your tax dollars being used on these kind of fights? No, I listen. I survival of the fittest. If these people can't figure out that it's not milk, it's really not my problem. But I, I, I think it's it's a true fact. It's a true statement. It is not milk. They don't call they don't call lactate milk. It's a milk substitute lactose-free milk substitute that's more milk than than almond milk it just sounds like big milk dollars you know coming into you're right it's probably some lobbyist right from the dairy right. it's like yeah, they're absolutely. they're turning in on our turf of course of course but uh, the the macro point is that you know while while the FDA tortures us in the cigar industry, we're not the only ones. They also waste other people's time, like the poor right. guy, you know, trying to sell a carton of almond stuff. Juice. <laughs> almond juice. Almond juice. Right. This is, you know, what our tax dollars are going towards. Oh, there you go. Almond breastless paste. We can all agree go. on that. There you go. Thank you, Greg Kelly. <laughs> almond breastless paste. Oh, man. Anyway. Uh, this isn't on the uh, on the 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 log, but did did you guys watch the last episode of Better Call Saul? You know that episode was like a long time ago. You just got no, it was it. this past weekend, wasn't it? 
Was it this past weekend? Yeah, this past Sunday was the final oh. episode. Was it this past Sunday? Watch, okay. You don't unless, unless you bought it. You can. Never you happened. were able to buy the last the last episode on like streaming. Um, do, did you did you watch Breaking Bad at all? Yeah, watch the I whole see, thing. I remember. I watched an extremely small amount of TV. Extremely small amount. I hardly watch any TV. I mean, the I'm currently in the middle of the offer, which is probably the first TV I've watched outside of documentary or YouTube chess videos in months. I don't watch a lot of TV. So, are you I against have- it? No, I just don't watch it. I get home, I get late, I do stuff. I I just don't watch TV. I'm more of a documentary guy anyway, but... I love documentaries, too. The offer's a great theory. That was an eight recommendation. I knew you would. Um, I I, I might be a bigger fan of Better Call Saul than Breaking Bad. Really? That's a bold statement. Yeah, man. I I, I really do. Um, it's it's even bob said he he can't believe he was never going to play saul goodman again um i think saul goodman was one of the best characters of both you know the whole series um but um you know you mentioned it i thought it was a brilliant ending to a brilliant show listen up until this point one of the most justified endings in tv series career i mean because there's always been a lot of letdown endings right Yep. Um, I thought one of the better ones I ever seen was The Shield. If you haven't watched The Shield, it was breakthrough, that I watched. breakthrough television back yeah. in the day on the FX yeah. channel before like there was a lot of nitty-gritty on TV. But that ending was the only way it could have really went down. And it was sad, but it was right, and it was good. And I, I think they did just as good as a job uh, with Better Call Saul. Yeah, this is a spoiler alert. If you haven't watched it, you might want to tune out, but um, it was a great ending, great to a great series. Did you notice did you like how the they? Sopranos did you, did you know? Uh, no, wasn't a big fan of it. I didn't Me love neither, it. I, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate I didn't, it. But I liked I didn't it. Hate it. I didn't hate off. it. I didn't hate it. But I didn't walk away feeling cleansed and cathartic. So it, it, it I it, it didn't lo- love it. Didn't hate it. Um, but did you notice the reverse use of the color in black and white? Oh yeah. It got it got to be a lot in the last couple of episodes. It, I'm telling you, that, that was a brilliantly brilliantly done show. Very it's well. Easy, done it's show. an easy way without them telling you directly that this is you know a different time period. So yes. I, I didn't hate it. We, I'll tell you what. One thing we can all probably agree on is that Kim Wexler looks terrible as a brunette. I don't. Dude, know I, I didn't know it was her for the first like yeah. few minutes. Didn't look like her at all because she was like semi hot. Yeah. As a blonde, my, my buddy semi, and I talking about not it. like super hot, not ugly. She was kind of semi hot as a blonde, but when she went brunette, whoa, all went away. All, <laughs> all away. went away. All went away. Hopefully, it's a wig for her sake. <laughs> sons, sons of it was yeah, Sons of Anarchy was a big letdown too because that's never happening. That guy goes to Mexico. Never. I don't care. You, you live that lifestyle. You ain't doing that. You're going to Mexico. <laughs> I didn't watch that either. I oh, guess I don't watch a lot watch of TV. But documentary is still TV. Like I, I didn't know if you were one of those guys, Alex, that are like television rots your brain. I, I've learned almost yeah. everything I know from television. I mean, maybe maybe documentary more, but I, from watching the TV, the actual physical TV. Yeah. Now, what I, I couldn't watch. remember were was the scenes with Cranston and um, the other kid and Mike. Mike. Were they, um, were those all cut from Breaking Bad or did no. they, 
So they came back to make those parts. I think so, yes. I couldn't remember. You know, it's been so long since I watched Breaking Bad. But or maybe I, they filmed them. Maybe they knew what the season finale, what the series finale would. I doubt it though, because no, no, no. Either, either, either that those were real cuts from the original series, or they came back to film those scenes. No, yeah, I don't remember those scenes at all. I gotta I, Google that because I'd be very impressed if they did. I think that's really cool. Yeah, very rarely do they in television do they know when the end of the series is going to be. Yep, epic or, or, or what's going to happen. Epic cast to Better Call Saul. I love Bob Odenkirk, but I've loved Bob Odenkirk since. Do you remember Mr. Show with Bob and David on HBO? No, that was like a breakthrough show, man. Hilarious. Did really you watch? Funny did you watch on. Mr. Nobody? I didn't. He was actually good in that. You almost can't see him being a like, you know, ex CIA, you know, cleaner upper killer after seeing him play Saul Goodman for five. Right, years. Right. Right? I mean, it's like when I saw him cast, I'm like, what? He did a good job. He's really good. And Giancanco, the guy who plays Fring, Fring, Fring. Oh my God, he's awesome! They're all good, Mike. Yeah. I'm telling you, amazing cast. Both series, really amazing, amazing, amazing cast. But now, are they going to do? So what? What I wonder is, would they go back and do like a prequel to like Mike's story? Wouldn't that be cool to see something like that? You could only hope so, but the problem yeah. is, if we do a prequel to Mike's story, it probably wouldn't involve anybody else. The nice thing about Better Call Saul is the prequel included. A lot of kind these of, guys. A lot of people from the original, you know, the original show. Yeah. You know, that was the nice part, but uh very well done. I was very happy with it. When you walk away and you say, I'm all right, there's gonna be no more shows, they've done a good job. Yeah, I, I didn't love it. I thought it was uh, like blah, like it, there was nothing exciting about it. I thought I, I thought the last three episodes were what you want him to get away with it. Yeah, maybe I and it's so unrealistic. That's the problem. But he could have gotten you're, away with it. You're too Disney. Maybe I'm just angry at the character because I knew Disney, he could have gotten away Disney with it. you washed in your brain. There's not happy <laughs> endings like that, bro. He's got to get caught. Vince, Vince Mackey's life has to be ruined. You know, you can't live that kind of life with no repercussion. Karma catches up with you. It's entertainment, though. It's the fake world. It's not real. So, yeah, well, you could. No, that kind of television is supposed to depict a real world situation. It's not Disney, Paul. You're watching too much Disney. <laughs> this is shows like this are supposed to depict what's going on in a real. So world. I watch TV to escape real life. I don't. I don't need. I don't need real life portrayed in front of me all day. That's why you watch Disney. Great ending. That, that is Hands true. Out. That's why I go to Disney World. So I don't. If have anybody to... out there watched Better Call Saul, just put in the comments whether you like the season finale. Yeah, we'll see what the overwhelming majority is. I'm sure I'm a minority in it. It is what it is. You typically are. Yeah, usually. But All right. I still love the series as a whole, though. All Listen, right. I'm, I'm telling you, I would recommend people who haven't watched either to watch Better Call Saul before watching Breaking Bad. Well, you, I guess in theory that could... Well, no, you need to watch Breaking Bad first so you can really you like... do not. I don't know. You do not. There's a lot of callbacks to the like stuff that you which, see. Which, which is not really necessary to know the background it's kind of it's self-explained in the moment of the scene it helps it gives you some insight but it's definitely not necessary would you say somebody should watch better call saul and then watch breaking bad if you're gonna do both no i would watch them in the order they came out okay yeah that's what because, i'm saying because i think it makes better call saul literally more enjoyable knowing his future before it happened right that's what i liked about yes okay so it makes it more enjoyable i just said it's not necessary though 
but knowing it makes it, I think, more enjoyable because, you know, you know where it ended up and then you're watching it. Oh, the woodman came out of the woodwork. Well, you know, AMC is losing two big shows. So, you know, they're spinning off two series now starting in 2023 with Bob. And, yeah, Bob's uh, in another series, right? And, and uh, Fringe, I can't remember his name, Giancanco or something like that. But they need series because they're two best shows, The Walking Dead and, you know, Better Call Saul is gone, done. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. I thought The Walking Dead had already ended. They brought it back again? No, I think this is the end of something this year. Okay. Yeah. Never never watch that show. You know what? The whole zombie genre does nothing for me. I mean, people are all caught up in it. It has its own culture, you know, whatever. But the whole zombie, n- never seen one movie I liked about yeah, zombies. Yeah, me neither. And, and you know what else? It's like penetrated the, the children's TV world. Like Disney has like a zombie high school show about these zombies that wear a bracelet that keep them from eating brains and they, they go to high school. It's the weirdest thing. I'm telling you. Axel was like, I want to watch Zombie High. I'm like, no, <laughs> you're not watching that. That's funny. And it's animated and they're all zombies. It's very weird. And they live in like a segregated area in the town that's just for zombies. Is it really weirder than um, some of these kids shows though? Well, Yo Gabba Gabba. How weird was that? Yeah. But luckily, my kids are too young for that. I mean, Yo Gabba Gabba had to be, I mean, that that was like, you know, you need to be an adult tripping watching it. What about I mean, those Teletubbies? Those yes. <laughs> fucking odd. You, you must have never, you never must have watched Yo Gabba Gabba. No, nah, I didn't. I, didn't have I missed it. That, it was yeah. literally like this hippie dude in an orange spandex suit with these. Big, giant, weird, elongated characters. It was was just a weird show. And then they would get famous people integrated in it. Like Jack Black would be a guest on it and whatever. It had a huge span for a while. We like like Sesame Street here and Bluey. Who? Blippi? Sesame Street and Bluey. You you ever seen Blippi? Oh, my God. I hate Blippi. My kids love Blippi. Blippi was like this weird... Awful, almost, almost new Pee Wee Herman. Herman, but yeah, like, but like, yeah, it was he, awful. He sold, he sold to Amazon for like thirty million dollars or something ridiculous like that from doing these stupid videos for his nephew on YouTube. He wears right. like an orange hat, orange suspenders, and he goes, "Ooh, yeah, that's his whole bit." Odd. I had a short, short-lived moment with Blippi, and luckily Carmine moved on. Yeah, we we don't watch it a lot. They, they like it, but but we turn them to other things. But yeah, kids' TV is rough. Do you, do you like Alex at this age? Oh, but see, but you have a younger son now too. Like the problem is, like at all times, there's kids' TV on in my house. Like I don't get to watch. Like I wake, I like to wake oh, up. Oh no, we limit TV. No news. I don't limit TV. No, we limit TV. Um, Oh, we do. Well, no, we don't because it's just on in the background, in all honesty. Like, they don't sit and watch TV until, like, right before bed. We usually watch for, like, 20 minutes, half hour. No, the baby watches this Miss Rachel lady, like, Songs for Littles or such. It's a YouTube thing that he's totally entranced with. Okay. But it's, it's, it is, I mean, apparently it's extremely popular, but it's, like, awful. Like, she'll do stuff behind a green screen and there won't even be a background. She'll just be standing behind a in front of green oh, in God. front of green. But like, you know, go look up. They got millions of views, but it, it he get he loves it. Gets in trouble. We call it his, his real family. He doesn't, you know, I don't care about it. <laughs> <laughs> his real mom. 
No, mm-hmm. Carmine is just he's right now he's just WWE like to the core like. Oh yeah. Like to the core nonstop. But it, it's funny because he doesn't just watch it; he'll put it on, and, and then, then take it. his. I have like a four foot pillow I bought him because I'm not wrestling every damn day and right. night. So he's in action while watching. You know. Now, are you into the WWE or did he discover this on his own? No, he. I'm not really into it. I mean, I, you know, as a kid, I couldn't tell you who's who now. He kind of discovered it on his own. We bought a video switch game, a WWE that he liked. And uh, no, but it's like, it's funny because the game he played a little bit during Christmas and kind of sat there. And this whole new now, it's like, you know, a staple. He's, he's WWE'd out. All right. I don't think we need to dig any more into the dark. <laughs> depth of children's television right <laughs> we have a guest first time guest on kma radio always love when we have a first time guest let's uh, get ready for our meet your maker segment i want all of you to get up out of your chairs i want you to get up right now and go to the window open it and stick your head out and yell it's time to meet your maker And, oh, let me put him in the prime spot next to Abe. In the big seat. In the big seat. Oliver. Uh, Oliver prime spot. Kind of, can, no. How do you say your last name? Like the famous 80s band is Nouveau, Club Nouveau. Oh, there you go. I'm glad I asked you. And spelled spelled sure. completely different. <laughs> yeah, I would have never said it that way. <laughs> no, yeah, and right. Abe's, and Abe's met you before, here. right? None oh, of us yeah. Have had yeah, to I, yeah, absolutely. I've, I've I, sat in I'm, the office. I'm pretty sure I've heard other people say his name not that way. Right. Well, I, I would assume they pronounce the D. Yep. Always, always pronounce the D. What is the genesis of that name? What's the heritage? So my family's from actually from France. I was first generation born in. I was actually born in Boston. Um, my younger brother and I were born in the States, but everyone else was uh, was overseas. And oh, wow. still to this day, I got, yeah, I got my parents in the U.S., my older brother, younger uh, brother in the U.S., but everyone else is overseas in in France. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So you can wow. you can attack me on that part uh, as much as you want. Well, it probably means you have a good palate. You come from uh, one of the best wine producing countries in the world. We come from yeah. France. If, if anybody doesn't know, <laughs> Paul's wife is a level two sommelier. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if it expires, actually. I, I've never heard that. It's got to expire. You know what level one I'll, does? I'll I think that. level two you have for level two, three, and master you have for life. Actually, I, she's explained it to me. Why she justified the price of the level two somehow, <laughs> but it doesn't just go away. Hmm. Interesting. Hey, but, can, um, can I say that lactate is not a safe alternative to milk? Can we talk? About oh yeah. Well, how so? Right. But it's not. I mean, I, I agree with the whole. It's definitely the the you know the the dairy. Um, you know, uh, farmers and, and everybody going after the whole milk milk side. But, uh, but yeah, it's got to be called something different. But I think we're, if we start there, it's just going to go down a, a very slippery slope like it is with everything else. Is it just semantics? Like, is it just like, uh, it's just a known thing? We, it's right. Okay. I, then yeah. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. You're right. It's a slippery slope. And then what's next? Well, you yeah, weren't, what's fine, you weren't yeah. fine with it yesterday. I, I just no. got into the, the Lewis Black mode i love his anger and his energy and he got he was so angry about it i just remember that bit so so vividly 
Well, well it should be because we grew up on milk. That's all we did. Like you were fed milk. We were just. I drank it by the indoors. gallons. Yeah, I still do. by the I gallons do. growing up. Do you yeah, still milk? drink milk, Abe? I, I've become slightly lactose intolerant in my. That's life. normal as you get older. Yeah, not not that I can't have it. I can have it, and I can have it, but doesn't agree with me. Settle on right. That. Yes. Right. Yeah. We we very rarely drink milk, and my kids are in a, a zone now where they won't drink plain milk. Well, we don't so have milk in the house because all my kids, when they were born, were allergic. So we had soy milk. We've had hemp milk because yeah. at one point, um, my hemp middle daughter was allergic to soy, and then they couldn't have nuts. And they realized they weren't allergic to almonds, so they pretty much live on almond milk now. There's just always almond milk in our house. Yeah, here too, we have almond milk and and whole milk. Which the kids won't drink unless we put chocolate syrup in it. So what do you have the whole milk for then if the kids don't drink it? We they drink it with chocolate syrup. So at night when they have their milk, they get a little bit of chocolate is, syrup. Is that in order to make sure they drink whole milk? They're supposed Eli's supposed to still drink a certain amount of milk a day, according to his doctor. Okay. Yeah, see that I don't buy into that shit. But he just likes it. He likes chocolate milk. So we give him, you know, I give him like six ounces in his in his little sippy cup. You know, Carmine never drank milk. Never, no. Huh. We're the only like species on the planet that drinks another species' milk. I don't disagree with that. Were they bre- were the kids breastfed or no? No, for the most part, no. See, this got them off the boob. So, I get that. That you know, listen, we needed that. See, another reason to blame milk. <laughs> listen, you're going to get a letter from the FDA now, Oliver. The, the milk producers of America are coming after you. <laughs> like I still, I still drink milk. You know, it's it's not not like it used to. My cholesterol went through the roof when my kids were. So we were talking about a pre-show. My son's seventeen, my daughter's sixteen. When they were young, we had whole milk in the house, but I was still drinking milk as if you know it was the two percent. Right. So my cholesterol went right through the roof. Oh, it's so much better though when you have whole milk yeah. after not having it for so long, and you just take that one sip of whole yeah, milk. at first, like Ron God. Burgundy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so hot. <laughs> is, is, is milk was a bad milk choice. Bad. I don't know what. I'm. I hear it all the time. People like against milk. I, I don't know that it's good. <laughs> no. Who knows? Yeah, anyways, Coop will know when we bring him on. We'll ask him. I'm sure Coop will have an unpopular opinion. Anyways, yeah. Um, <laughs> Oliver, first time on our show. Uh, listeners yes, may, may may not know you. Give us a little bit, uh, you know, a bridge version of the life of Oliver Nouveau and how you got where, where we are today. Yeah. So um, I guess in the, I mean you know to to shorten it up, starting out uh, in the cigar industry, I was actually I as I said I was born in Boston, went to school here, finished up uh, at at Boston College in '96. Um, I was working for, uh, an advertising agency here in, in, uh, in Boston in 97, I moved out to Las Vegas and I was just, it was, it was so inexpensive out there. I moved out with two buddies. We rented a house, a three bedroom house for $900. So to put that into comparison oh here to what, yeah, Boston real estate was, um, I was renting a studio in the new North end for, I think it was like 1200. Oof. So we were living <laughs> high on the hog in, in Vegas. And so I was just doing freelance graphics. I was doing uh, trade liners for Carl's Jr., um, you know, brochures for a local radio station, redesigning uh, some logos and, um, you know, business cards, just small stuff, but, you know, just having fun. 
And um, I wanted, uh, really, ultimately, I wanted a discount on cigars. So I looked up in the yellow pages at the time. So this dates it back, right? Um, <laughs> where I could buy cigars, where I could, um, you know, work for a cigar company. And I ended up working for Fryboy Tobacco, um, which is known as Cigar Box now. But Fryboy Tobacco, they had a, a, a small shop at the MGM. Started working there. And I think within, I don't know, six months, I was running one of the locations. And then within the year, they brought me into the office to oversee their marketing. And that turned into their their manufacturing. And for 14 years, I worked for uh, for Michael and Robert Fry in Las Vegas. Uh, and they're part owners of, um, of Casa Fuente. We opened up that with uh, you know Ashton and Fuente. And that was 2004. And then, uh, and then they started getting, once they really saw the liquor side of the business too, I, I think the uh, Casa Fuente kind of spun off into, we opened up, they opened up uh, tacos and tequila at the Luxor, which was just a restaurant, no cigars. We opened up rum bar at the Mirage, which was more of a fresh uh, drink program there. And um, so my, you know, my role there, I was really side by side with, uh, with Michael and, um, you know, overseeing a lot of the, um, just branding and um, uh, manufacturing side. We had a couple brands that, really one brand that we were selling nationally at the time, which was Sweet Daddy's, was a flavored cigar line. But in 2007, uh, when everything was kind of hitting the fan, uh, he wanted to get out of it. So we kind of, you know, washed out uh, Sweet Daddy's, um, and I worked for for them until 2011. And then I moved out. Never got to know his brother, but I know Michael very well. Super great. Oh yeah, Robert. Well, Robert. So they kind of yeah, and then and then they have an older brother, Gary, who was more into uh, like real estate. But Robert kind of split off in, I guess, early early two thousands, and he got into Coyote Ugly. Um, partnered up oh. with with some some people there. They opened up Coyote Ugly at the New York New York, and once Coyote Ugly opened up. Robert was like, I'm done with, with cigars, branched off, opened up, uh, started Pure Management Group. And um, they branched off from there and opened up Pure Nightclub. They had, I don't even know how many other uh, nightclubs they had from there. So Michael really focused on the on the cigar side and stayed with it. That was always his passion. But, um, you know, Michael really got involved with so many different things. They were part of Monte Cristo Rum. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot of different different ventures but but anyway for me so i was i was in in charge of the manufacturing side the the marketing wholesale and that that grew but i left and i think with my hospitality background my father's been in uh, the hotel business since i was young so um i always had uh i guess uh, you know an eye for it and i jumped into uh, an opportunity moved out to utah opened up a restaurant uh well helped uh, helped a buddy open up a restaurant in salt lake city and that was for for a year and then after that, once it was, was opened up, we, me and the, myself and the family tried to figure out what, you know, what we were going to do. We didn't want to stay in Salt Lake City. We went out to California for uh, a little break. That's where you know, my ex's family is from. Stayed there for about six months. And then um, I got a job as the uh, food and beverage director uh, at the Hilton here in Boston. So that brought us back here. So I was out of the cigar business for a little while. I think, uh, you know, after 14 years and, and the direction we were going to, uh, was was more hospitality and late night, um, you know, in Vegas. Uh, got out of it, but uh, 2016, the opportunity came up to work for United Cigars. And when I kind of when really sat down, learning about the different brands because the portfolio is about 20 different lines deep. Did but you learning about the brand, or did they approach you? 
um, they they approached approached me, but I had gone up to New Hampshire. So I live in Boston, but when you look at New England, it's such a small, right? Such a small portion of the map. So Boston to New Hampshire is a half an hour. So I went up to New Hampshire for for an event, and uh, just it ended up you know with the connections I had. I was actually going up there with Paul Giacalone, who owned Gloucester Street Cigar uh, a little while back, but then he was also part owner of One Off Cigars. Yeah. So I had known yeah. him from, you know, from a long time and from Vegas. And, um, you know, we were, we were hanging out, uh, smoking cigars and we went up to New Hampshire, the conversation started. And when I looked at the portfolio at first, I was like, well, I'm, you know, I'm not really familiar with you know, the product. I looked at Atabay and Byron and coming from Vegas, uh, you know, a guy that was selling cigars for, uh, you know, an obscene amount. So for example, our, the Macanudo Portofino was selling on a cigarette hostess tray back in you know the 2000s for $20 a piece. I mean, that's offensive, but <laughs> we were just selling pallets of them. Uh, because when you're sitting at a table, you're, you're locked. When you want a cigar, you had a choice of maybe five cigars and two. Right. So, um, so anyway, when I looked at the Atabay and Byron, I was like a 20, $30 cigar. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about this. I've never heard of it. But when I sat down and smoked it for the first time, heard the story of Atabay, learned about Nelson Alfonso, the process, um, I was I was hooked, and the fact that it just it hadn't been brought, you know, nationally outside of just the show. Okay, oh, yeah, and you're smoking the Bandolero. Yeah, I'm trying to get it on the yeah, screen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, of I can't. I'll help you. Looks like Siri A. Alex got it. That's uh, Siri T. This is the tremendosis. I'm going to say Siri oh, T. Yeah, yeah, Siri T. So that uses a little bit of Nicaraguan um, Nicaraguan Lero. So on the Siri T, there are three different series on that one on the bandolero and Siri T uses a little bit of Nicaraguan Lero. So you can have a little bit of a uh, little bit more pepperiness spice up front. But, um, but yeah, so I, I started, I smoked it, uh, smoked the Atabay and then I smoked the rest of the line. I thought everything was, uh, you know, it was good. And there was the opportunity to, to take a company from really its infancy uh, that had been around since 2009, 10 is when United cigar group started. Um, but it was, it was a different, different format back then, 2016, is when I kind of you know changed stuff and and just went in and you know kind of put my own uh, own touch on everything. So did you for did better, you move better, to New Hampshire for the cheaper cost of living? No, no, no. I wish my kids were already uh, you know embedded okay. uh, in the school program and uh, you know didn't want to didn't want to move them. I think you know personally because I you know, I was born in Boston. We moved to Chicago uh, for two years. Then we what moved part to of Washington, Chicago? Wisconsin. Um, I remember. That was it. Yeah, I was in. Uh, I was in. Was it in the city proper? No, it was outside. Um, I'll remember. It'll come back. No worries. The brain doesn't work the same way. No worries. Um, but we were in Chicago for two years. Then Milwaukee. We went to London for two years. We were oh, in geez. France for six months, wow. and we came back to Milwaukee. And that's where I did my middle school years until eighth grade. Then we went to New York City for a year. Then we came back to Boston. So. You know, for for me being ripped out of these, I don't want to say ripped out. That's you know, that's a Oprah Winfrey. Well, Boston was always like kind of your that you you started to settle there, so you wanted your kids to have that. I wanted, yeah, I just wanted them to have that, you know that what I consider that structure, right? You know, the friends that they'll grow up with, the you know the same school system. That's fine. Um, it's a quick it's, drive yeah. to go pick up your booze and cigars in New Hampshire, like all my buddies do <laughs> yeah. outside of Boston. Yeah, which we did. I went, yeah. when I, you know, like I said, when I was at uh, BC, we used to grab you know, do a, a Sunday run because it was illegal to, to sell alcohol on Sundays in Massachusetts. 
So we, we made the run all the time. I, I have buddies that live just outside of Worcester and they, they do a trip like once a month to buy all their booze and they get cigars yeah. and they, they go to New Hampshire, yeah. they buy it cheaper and then they have it for the, you know, the month. <laughs> right. So isn't, isn't that crazy? Like the States will do that, right? Yeah. They'll raise taxes. Like the tobacco tax in Massachusetts is 40. When you look at, you know, New York, uh, tobacco tax being 75, then everybody just drives over the border. They go to Pennsylvania. I learned, I, learned so walking, the state. I learned walking the halls of Washington that for most of these guys, it's not about revenue. It's about punishment. I could see that. Oh, absolutely. It's yeah. They're not trying to find ways to generate revenue properly. They want to kill that business in their state. That is their goal. They are draconian taxes. Typically, I mean, look. Let's just take Canada for example, right? God knows how many boxes get smuggled, bought in across the border, shipped. Never. If if Canada really was worried about revenue, all they would have to make is just a reasonable taxation on cigars coming in, and I'm telling you, they would probably make more revenue than they could have ever imagined. But it's not what they want. Mm-hmm. It's, it's funny because I, I spent the summer up on Long Island and Alex and I were talking. I'm like, you know, like the Sin Compromiso, when we buy it here, is like, what, 13 to $15, depending on, you know, whatever. I, I told him mm. around there, right? And, and and I was on Long Island and I wanted, I felt like a sin and I oh. ran out of cigars. And I went to the place by my parents' house and it was 20 23 or $24 for the same. So I'm like, my God, this is crazy. What, what sadly they don't realize, you know, due to any lack of any common sense, is that their taxation never slows down the. Consumption. No, I still bought. I still bought them. I still and I, and other cigars that well, were it doesn't slow the down the anymore. consumption. The guys who just aren't willing to pay the tax will get it from somewhere else, and they don't make no money on it. Right. So right. they don't accomplish either thing. They're not doing justice for their state by generating revenue in a decent manner and getting as much tax dollars as possible, nor are they deterring the consumption of cigars in their state. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Well, yeah so it's, you it's found not, yourself back necessarily in, solving problems. You found yourself back in Boston uh, and and you, you started to work with the United Cigar Group. Uh, had you been a smoker of cigars throughout this time like when when did you first start smoking oh yeah i started smoking uh when i was 16 uh, i think you know everyone starts experimenting right I, I had friends that were smoking cigarettes a lot you know copenhagen was a big thing back then um you know guys were just smoking or, or using some tobacco alternative and i just i never never got into it i was my first job i was a dishwasher at uh, a, a restaurant right across the street from where i lived there was like a, a little inn and um, I was a dishwasher. And after the dishwashers were done, you know, everyone goes out on the dock and, you know, the cooks are there, the, the servers are there, everyone's smoking cigarettes. So yeah. I, I tried it. I just wasn't into it. My father was a cigar smoker. My uncles, you know, I had a lot of, lot of cigar smoking in the family. So um, my first cigar was actually a, a you know, stolen cigar to my dad's, dad's human. Um, <laughs> and then from there, I just, uh, I kept smoking. So that was, I mean, 16, I was, uh, I was 80 what, 88, 89. Um, and then always, yeah, always just smoke my first premium cigar box. Um, I remember when I actually going back a little bit, I bought a box at Walgreens. I had a fake ID from when I lived in New York 
And um, I, you know, just to say I was 18 so we could go to concerts. And I uh, went to Walgreens. I picked up a box of Sweeties. It was a 50 count box. And I brought that onto a school funded ski trip up to Canada. <laughs> um, and we were smoking those. And that, that turned into a mess because you're taking a bunch of 16 year old mass kids up to Canada on a ski trip. Everybody got hammered. You could go, you know, we were going to bars and uh, I was introduced to curling up there. I think we sat for three or four hours watching. A, it was a curling bar. You could, you know, we were ordering beers and uh, watching curling. Wow. And then my first premium box was a box of 10 uh, when I was in college, uh, Te Amos. Wow. Yeah. That was, and that was yeah, 96. Yeah. Big was, during the boom. Yeah. 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 You those know were, what? Those were, those were premium. And oddly enough, mostly in the eastern seaboard, up in the east coast, it was it, it dominated that region for some reason. Yeah, that sounds yeah. very familiar to me. I'm gonna look in fact, when it was dying off, that's kind of it was its last stand where you would still find any or people selling tiamos up in the northeast. Yeah, um, Tiamo, that's, a, that's a while back, but yeah, so, then I got I actually got into Abo Domain. That was that was that was my go to for a while um, early on. Um, select tobaccos is that a brand that united distributes or is united is that part of the united portfolio i mean like ownership umbrella no not yeah not not ownership but yeah under the umbrella but right. we're we're only distributors so that that started um distribution for that started in 2012 and that was again just just at the trade show once a year there was nobody really representing it nationally but um but that's just a, a partnership with with nelson alfonso of selected tobacco and we are the distributors of uh, Atabay, Byron, and Bandolero for, for Nelson. I had the pleasure of speaking to him, really, for the first mm -hmm. time uh, at the trade show this year. What an amazing guy. And, and, you know, for our listeners who really don't know much about him, can, can you give us a little background on and, and, and Nelson himself? Um, yeah, imagine a, imagine a guy that could be like a Deion Sanders of the football field, right? showy um you know i own the i own the field this is you know this is my house i do this this and this he's that guy but strip away the ego he is incredibly humble uh nelson alfonso does the the packaging uh for the the cuban brand so he's a designer by by trade but his family had been in tobacco since the 1800s in cuba and um when you when you look at the portfolio selected tobacco with Atabe Byron Bandolero, Byron was actually his family's line in 1850 named after the poet Lord Byron, and that was a, a Cuban line sold in the U.S. Um, and and distributed out. They actually lost the the name because back back then there were thousands of, of Cuban brands, but as the late 1800s and early 1900s started to to come into play. The larger companies started to eat up all of these smaller farms and um, you know, tobacco uh, growers and, and rollers, and Byron was was one of those brands that got uh, got eaten up. So, in the late nineteen or early nineteen nineties, Nelson picked the the line back up. Uh, it's actually one of the only lines I believe that's registered in Cuba as well, but uh, national, you know, globally registered. Uh, he picked the line back up, started to you know play around with the with the blends and. When you said he um, had to pick the line back up, did he have to reacquire it from somebody? He, no, it wasn't. Uh, it was just kind of out It was there. just abandoned. Uh, it was abandoned, yeah. So he was able to pick it uh, pick it back up. Uh, and when you when you look at Cuban lines, there are, what, you know, 30, 30 lines now after, you know, thousands of, you know, brands. 
So yeah, Nelson was able to pick it back up, reblended it. And that's when you look at the Byron portfolio, you have three different centuries. So it dates back to the 1800s. You have the 19th century, which is uh, a line that uses Ecuadorian. All of his, actually, all of his lines use Ecuadorian wrapper, just different shades, grades. And um, so the Byron 18, uh, the Byron 19th century uh, uses Nicaraguan, Peruvian, um, and uh, you have Dominican fillers, Ecuadorian wrapper, but you have different ages. And that's a, that's a key thing that I want to talk about after too with Nelson's line. But uh, so you have the 19th century that's going to have a little more, a little more body and, and strength to it. Uh, the 20th century takes out the Nicaraguan, uses Dominican, Peruvian. And then uh, on the 21st century, that's where he uses Dominican, a Dominican binder, more Dominican Lijero, so and the Atabe wrapper. So it's a softer, more subtle line out of the Byron uh, portfolio, but still has a you know great, great body. Um, and when you so if we go back to kind of Nelson, like he does all this packaging, a lot of his work is out there, but it's just not recognized as his work because again, being humble, um, not you know not putting his name out front. Um, I'd love for you to be able to sit down with him even longer just to, to pick his brain because it's it's amazing the the knowledge that he has, uh, the research that he did. He just jumped into it, um, you know, early in his in his early twenties, diving back into it because that was the first time he met his his grandfather uh, wow. in, uh, when he was in his twenties. So his grandfather was the the great great grandson of the original Alfonso, and they had been he had been kind of. Uh, you know, kicked out of the, the family in a way because his, his Nelson's grandmother was, you know, more on the communist side and the grandfather wasn't. So then he was, you know, pushed out of the family. But during his last years, you know, wanted to meet his grandson, met Nelson. And Nelson said, you know, he was an artist, a painter, photographer. Um, at that time, he said, I'm dropping everything. He said he put his camera into the case, never touched it again to get into the, the tobacco and he said, he's, I'm going to finish what my, you know, what my grandfather wanted me to, to finish and get back into the, into the business. Wow. So were these like yeah. untapped brands at that point? I mean, I knew they were, I know they were around, but before United started distributing them, nobody just really knew about them. Right. Yeah. It, uh, I think, you know, hit the market, um, in 2009, ish but that really launched in in california then there was so you know there's a distributor out there that took it but um you, you know did, did what they did and uh you know it wasn't the direction nelson wanted to go in it was a little bit there was a little bit in texas uh with a distributor out there and then what what happened was when when it was brought to the uh to the east coast the the sales for it with uh you know with, with dave was just he was just turning boxes because you know they fell in, they fell in love with it here and Nelson ended up traveling to the East Coast to sit down with with Dave and United Cigars to figure out, well, how is this how is this moving on the retail side? And you know, you're you're selling more than anyone else. Are you discounting it? Are you you wholesaling it? And that wasn't the case. It was just embracing a product that he absolutely loved. So then the distribution came into the United portfolio in about 2012, and um, and then when I started in 2016, I kind of wanted to you know again shift shift the gears on it because as as smokers we're just we're so excited when we hear the you know the word cuban or habana or you know cuban <laughs> right. cuban cuban right so when it was started it was you know they all they were talking about was uh you know nelson designed the the BK packaging which you know you should get a lot of credit for that but 
uh, everyone was saying, oh, it's like a Bihike second, which I wanted to get away from that. There was undisclosed this, undisclosed that. And I always thought that the, the wrapper is incredibly beautiful. The tobacco is very elegant. Let's let's talk about that. Let's embrace that. Um, so the you know a lot of the tobacco that Nelson uses is Peruvian Peruvian tobacco. Uh, he he believes that Peruvian tobacco is one of the next to Cuban tobacco is one of the best tobaccos in the world. It's a smaller plant. The yield is very low, so cost is a little bit higher. But uh, when it's used correctly, it's uh, it's it's almost second second to none. A lot of buzz about Peruvian tobacco lately. Hearing it lately more than ever. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah you're hearing more about Peruvian tobacco and more about Costa Rica. I'm right. not saying that's definitely a lot of Costa Rica. We talked tobacco. about it last week. Yeah. Yep. The last yeah. time Costa Rica was jamming was when uh, Donald Douglas had his factory. Uh, they Don made... Douglas. Oh, with Bahia. Yeah. He, Bahia oh, Gold, God. Bahia Maduro, and the, the, the original CAO. All Edward heard Sarri Donald Duck. Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't know what was yeah, going I, on. I, like, wait, I'm Google. All heard Donald Duck. Don Douglas. Don Douglas, yeah. Oh, yeah, Tony Borhani. When that, that was, the, I, I remember sitting on the patio with, uh, we were on the balcony with Jason Samuelson, who was the buyer for Cigar Box, and Michael Fry. The Bahia Gold Maduro came in, and we sat down, and that was like, what the hell just happened? He went phenomenal. He was an overnight success. Yeah. And then yeah. just as easily burned out. Yeah, Abe, you, Abe, you've been in the business a long time. I mean, I thought I you know, just thinking back. I I always thought Tony Borhani because you always saw Tony Borhani with uh, you know then Rocky. You know they were walking through the the show floor, but Tony Borhani was like the first like glam celebrity he, he, guy, he, like showy. He was no a showy socks, guy. loafers. Yeah, he was a showy. He was guy. A tiny, you know, tiny guy. He was like a he was like a horse jockey. Literally, very small yeah. guy. Literally. <laughs> But um, yeah. but that was right there, man. It just came out overnight. I remember seeing yeah. it, and all of a sudden, selling it like we were giving it away. Yeah. Um, oh, the that factory. Yeah. That factory produced probably the hottest cigars of the time at that point. Yeah. And then it just collapsed, and huh. I hadn't heard much about you know Costa Rica since then. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so. it's unfortunate. Why? Why is it? Is it the cost factor? Is that why people? You know, there's not well, that many people doing it in Costa Rica or Peru. Yeah, I think uh, I think a little bit. Um, you know, everybody. No, I shouldn't say everybody, but you know, the cigar industry. You have cigars that you just churn out, which we do. We do as well. We try to churn out some cigars, like our our bundled cigars classic. That obviously you're just you're churning out. Then you have cigars that you want to age and rest or use in aged tobacco. Um, so you'll pay a little bit more, but again, that Peruvian tobacco is a little bit more expensive, so it's not widely used. Costa Rica, you're absolutely right; um, it's a little bit more expensive. In fact, Nelson, you know, typically a, a pair of rollers can roll, you know, three to five hundred cigars a day, but uh, but Nelson with his rollers that it'll really only roll the production there a few times a year, but uh, the rollers there only roll about 150 cigars on average a day. Wow. Um, he wants he wants to make sure that it's everything wow. perfection. Um, you know, the because you're when you're looking at Atabay, he knows Nelson knows that he is going to let that rest for five years. So he's not going to be able to go back and say, hey, this is this is plugged. This is you know burning incorrectly. So he wants to make sure it's absolutely 100 percent correct. Now, there have been times where, you know, whatever, we get a bad roller and you know, we don't find out until sure. right until afterwards. But. You know, if we if I touch on that aging, so 
the cigars are rolled. He wants to make sure they're perfect. Once the cigars are rolled in Costa Rica, they're shipped out to Miami or Spain. And he has separate aging rooms there. They're all different aging rooms too. He'll use the most important part about aging a cigar is the, the cedar. Um, so he'll use Cuban, Spanish, Mexican, Brazilian, and Lebanese cedars inside of the, the room. Now, Lebanese cedars, you can't, you can't purchase that. That's, uh, that's protected, but he'll use different, you know, like at one point he actually took, uh, you know, furniture and, you know, raw furniture and actually used pieces of cedar. It doesn't really help in the aging process, but that's to pay, uh, homage to his mother who was Lebanese. Uh, so he'll put that in the room. So the, imagine a, a, just a large aging room. And when, when I say aging, that's where the cedar comes into place. You're using those five cedars from ceiling to floor, one inch thick planks, because he'll sand that down about once, twice a year, actually shave it down. And then what he does is he'll bring humidity down to 40% gradually. And then over the course of those five years, he'll then bring it back up to 70 and then back down to 40. So over five years, it's just breathing in all the different cedar notes. So if you think of like whiskey and, uh, you know, wines, why they're using oak barrels or, or different, you know, different, different woods is the, the oak is more permeable. So the, the liquid will go into the oak. So it's the same as the humidity. The humidity will go into the, the cedar and then it goes back out. And then when the cigar goes to 70, it's breathing in all those cedar notes, mm -hmm. but it's also cleaning the cigar when it goes to 40 percent, it's purging anything else that's left in the cigar and I'm that's after you, three to five i'm gonna yeah. take you always hear these stories right he showed me pictures of these aging rooms i mean oh really oh, oh God, they're mind blowing. oh so mind did you see did you see his new uh he's building a warehouse an aging room in spain he showed me oh yeah i mean this, this, this is real deal stuff so um amazing and we're gonna get we gotta take a break we're gonna have more with oliver devoe and um, talk a little bit more about uh, Atabe and uh, Byron Cigars. Byron Bandolero. Yes, yes. Uh, up ahead in segment two, we have Name That Jam from Avo Cigars. More all that. Our friend Coop will be on to give us a scoop this week. Tale of Tape Season 5, Episode... It's three. not Episode 2, but definitely three. not Episode 2. I think it's Episode 3 at this point. And, of course, four. Would You Rather. Jam-packed Hour 2, Don't Go Anywhere. So Could four. be 4. Could be four. I mean, our producer never does. Yeah, just um, anyways. <laughs> keep it lit. Keep it lit. Explore the unexplored with St. Louis Ray Carenas. Set sail to discover an extraordinary Honduran cigar deeply anchored in tradition. The St. Louis Ray Carenas features a Nicaraguan wrapper cloaked over 100% Honduran tobacco that make up the binder and filler. The St. Louis Ray Carenas in the Toro size received a 93 rating in Cigar Aficionado and was featured in their illustrious Top 25 Cigars of 2021 list. The St. Louis Ray Carenas is available in four different sizes, a Robusto, Toro, Bellicoso, and Magnum. So get ready to take a trip back in time to experience the heritage of St. Louis Ray with the St. Louis Ray Coranus. Phenomenal. 
Welcome back. Listen, if you're going to play that commercial, play it before the Altus one. If you're going to do the phenomenal one, that way you get a little fade out because the Altus ad has a fade out. And it's not such a hard intro. But I'm going to. You got it. Thank you. Thank you very much. We talked about having these hard back coming back ins now forever. They got a nice little fade at the end of that Altus commercial. That should be the last one. There's actually not. I have to. I cut it at that fade. There's more at the end of it, but I cut it there so it looks better. Oh, well, what's the point if you're just going to slam me back with the phenomenal thing? I actually, I didn't realize that the phenomenal didn't have a fade because Alex made that and he's the one that does the fades. Okay. You know, I'm going to tell you something that I tell my daughter when she started working at the warehouse. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So she's packing orders and they have to sign off. And I told her, I said, listen, when you sign off, you put your name on something. It's on this document. Amen. You need to have a little pride and make sure that you've done your job, looked it over it before you put your name on it. You have zero pride in this outline every week. It's always got wrong dates, wrong guests, wrong everything. It never has wrong guests. What? Oh, yeah. Upcoming guests? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it has. You have wrong upcoming guests, wrong dates, wrong show numbers, wrong... Why do it? Why go through the motion if you really don't want to make a good outline? I'm hoping that Alex will just take it over. Well, then what will be left for you to do? (laughs) Show my pretty face. Seriously. Anyways, welcome back. You called yourself hideous earlier. Yeah, I'm not. I was was talking to a a hair implant customer this week that I'm taking on as a client for my day job. And I was thinking in my head, like, would that even make a difference? If I had hair again, would that make a difference? No. I don't know. No. My wife, I asked my wife, I was like, would you like me better with hair? And she like, I mean, she she obviously knew me when I had hair. And she was just like, "Hmm, well, it doesn't change anything. I'm like, oh, great. All right. The hair is not the problem. <laughs> Let's be real. And Quentin, I've already taken over booking for him. How much more work do you want me to take over? Quentin Thornation, do his work for him, Abe. I, I've already taken over the booking of guests. How much more work do we have to take over for Paul? I thought Quentin keeps saying he wants to be the producer. Oh, please. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy. I finally got my 20 bucks. I don't even you have it I've, framed. You should no, frame I, it. I got to put it with the other things, but I don't even think I've taken it out of the envelope. I bet you it's still in the envelope. Yep, sure is. In his card? Yep, in his card. You still have his signed $20. Nice. I got to. Anyways, our guest for our Meet Your Maker, a very interesting first-time guest that came in, Oliver Naveau of United Cigar Group. Um, Oliver, we like to start segment two with a little fun. Um, we have a, a segment called Name Jam, Name That Jam by Avo Cigars. Very simple segment. Um, we're going to play Love you. It. We're going to play you three seconds of a song. And we're going to test your musical acumen and see if you can actually name that jam. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's see if Oliver can name that jam. play three seconds of it if you need to hear it again let us know and we're going to see if you can name this jam (laughs) 
I don't even know that one. Holy crap. Not a right. Yeah, I mean, oh no. It it almost sounded like, you know, the the I mean that bad eighties, nineties. I mean, I was gonna say like Houdini. Um, it was playing with the speakers I mean, too. You hear it go back and forth. It was like, oh, oh, oh. I, I, yeah, I mean, that's, I know that's it's not. Music right some reason it reminds me of Thriller a little bit. Play it one more time. I can play it one more oh. time. Yeah, no way. Don't know it. I, I think no, it's that, Michael Jackson, that, though. I think you're on the right. I don't know the answer. Uh, no, that's too. It that. The studio. Didn't I know it's not Michael Jackson. It's just that no. beat reminded me of. No. Dun, 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 dun. That's that's a Houdini, Bobby Brown esque type. He's, he's, he's kind of in the realm. He's in the realm. He's in the realm. Uh, you want to throw yeah. a crack at it? Jesus. Um. Yeah, I, I don't know. It was nailed in the comments. I'll give you that. All right. Well, uh, let's, see, see let's see. Let's wow, see who really? it was. Let's see who it was. Yeah, I don't even know that song. No, me neither. Nope. Really? Nope. Really? Do you know that song, Oliver? I've ne- never heard it. Yeah. I don't even know who Zap Zapping. Yeah, me neither. Zappin that, that's who? Alex yeah, has sometimes a different reality than the majority. Of the uh, are you kidding me? What were they? A big Philly band? Look how no. many people say no idea. I two yeah. nailed it. Two nailed it. I saw definitely one. Uh, Ray, Ray got it right. Ray and uh, oh, Greg Kelly nailed it. Yeah. Thank you, Greg. Big jam back in the day. Wow. Yeah. Well, well Oliver, you guys, you guys yeah. probably played it in your chat group like uh, yesterday. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, Alex. Alex is actually pretty staunch that he won't let us uh, hear the jam beforehand. Wow. He, he picks oh, up. You know. Well, anyways, that's good. Everyone's playing. Neither oh, you nor any of us named that jam <laughs> other than uh, Greg Kelly and uh, who is it, Ray and Ray. And Ray. So, uh, once again, thank you to Avo Cigars. This segment is brought to you by Avo Cigars, composing eloquent music with tobacco all year long. Thank you very much. Now, back to our guest. Yeah. So I actually have something. I saw an interesting article, and, and I found it interesting because you really don't see this outside of, like, the Cuban cigar world. But um, you guys actually had a problem with Atabay with counterfeits, which caused you to make a secondary ban. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, so we, we ran into a slight problem, and well, I mean, it. I mean, it did happen to Padron. Um, it happened right, to Padron. Back. That's why they went with the serial coded label, yeah, right? Serial code, and it happened right, right, with right. Uh, Fuente with Opus X. Fuente, right? Yeah. So yeah, I think because well, when you look at, at a cigar that's at that price point, right? Anybody's gonna you know they're gonna try to do something. So we ran into the issue one with uh, bands being, I think they were being reused, and then also there was talk about the um uh out of a seconds we're making it to the market and one guy you know i was getting dms constantly uh about hey uh are you selling cigars you know uh unbanded atabays because they're selling it at this store this store and um you know it's uh, no 100 no and I'm, <laughs> I'm not selling them we're not selling anything in fact the the seconds uh, are you know nelson has stacks of them uh because he's so meticulous about what makes the box um so yeah no we we had to do a second he did a secondary band just on the foot uh now there's you know in uh coming up maybe next year or the year after 
there's another band coming out that uh that will be interesting i don't know if i can fully divulge it yet but uh but it will be, it'll be different it. and unique it might be unique to the market it will be unique to the market he's always he's always creating something nelson's always doing something and that's the beauty and the frustration right because he'll come out like you know abe you were at the booth he had some beautiful ashtrays do we have um, pictures not, of the accessories paul because i'm telling you this was some of the most stunning accessories it, it caught everybody's eye at the show Paul's is he on mute? yeah yeah that looks like a, that looks like an ashtray well that's the yeah that's the secondary band and he's, he's, on, mute. Know he's on mute nope. what a hot mess i know i'm on mute. i have pictures i have pictures because I, I did ask you to get some ready for the show yeah i have them during our Hold meeting yeah. Okay. yeah he had us on mute because he was picking up another uh hair plug Customers. Thank you. <laughs> you know it's bad when the guest gets in on the ribbing. Oh, look at that! Ridiculous, the like re- gorgeous. Oh, I wish you that's could, the oh, box. Give a shot. Yeah. Now this cigar hasn't been released yet. That has not been released yet. That yeah. should start shipping next. Well, we're going quick. Uh, the Alfonso should start shipping next week. That is. This is the Byron. Uh, Paul. Yep. Jesus. <laughs> Go ahead, Oliver. Right, oh, we're stopping at the. Okay. So this will this is the Byron uh, Epic Poema 30 count humidor. Only 500 humidors have been made. Um, this will start shipping in November, just in time for the end of the year holidays. Uh, there will be 30 Epic Poemas inside of the humidor, and it will come with 50 refill Byron Epic uh, cigars. So if you can look at that picture, the the cigars. In the front, they're held on by a magnetic strip of wood. And yeah. on the bottom, you see that little cedar line? Yes. So that cedar line is 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 uh, is angled. So it's like a wedge. So the cigars are tilted back a little bit. So even when you take out, if you were to display this humidor uh, at your house in the store, if you take that magnetic strip of wood away, the cigars will not fall out. They'll rest inside. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful custom. What is, what is and that's this made one? with is this hazelnut the- wood. This there is it is open. So okay. that is the okay. Atabe, yeah. That is the the Atabe, uh humidor that will sh- probably be released as a 2023 PCA. Uh, so this features 60 Atabe cigars. So that's five of each Vitola, and that um, that there's no there's no set price on this yet. Um, there were there were a couple of things that were going around, but really the the humidor is just starting to get into production. What we'd like to do is just say to you know to the retailer, hey, this is this is a, a thank you um, in the humidor, but uh, you know the cigars will will come with a cost, but uh, the humidor will be yours to either display, uh, use to to promote, um, you know, giveaway if somebody wants to do you know an all-in buy-in. You know, congratulations, that'll be you know quite a ring at the register, but um, absolutely absolutely gorgeous. It got the two drawers on the sides, so you can see on the far right, you see the some cigars there but there are 10 and 10 on each side and then you have 20 and 20. is that right Did i do that right i Looks think that so. way yes 40 yeah i i but i actually have not found any pictures of the ashtray yeah garrett garrett will help you out one day you know garrett's got them all and and thanks to half wheel i'd like to give him thanks because i realized that the photos that paul grabbed were from your site so <laughs> thank you half wheel <laughs> So the ashtrays, you know, Nelson, again, he does all the, if you look on the bottom of a lot of the ashtrays that are 
I guess, and jars that are sold internationally. Um, you'll see originally there was the Byron's Byron logo on the bottom. That was Nelson's company. His design company is Golden uh, Golden Video, uh, Golden Age Video Design. So on the bottom of a lot of the jars and ashtrays that are that were on the market before would have the Byron logo. He changed that uh, because his Byron line was coming to market. So now it will say, you know, designed by Nelson Alfonso. Um, you'll see the, you know, even the Padron 50th anniversary humidor. If you take the tray out and you look behind the lock, there's a coin inside there that is Nelson's coin and design. It's designed by Nelson Alfonso, but he never wants to take away from what the project is. He didn't want to put, you know, they said, oh, you can put your name on the front. You can put your name on the top. He didn't want to, he didn't want to do that. So that's how, how humble this, uh, you know, Nelson is. No. But these ashtrays, unfortunately, it's just it's limited production. There was one for the Alfonso, um, one for you know the the Bandolero. New designs, unbelievable designs, but uh, it's just limited limited production. He's not it's not made out of ceramic. It's not mass produced. Uh, these are porcelain ashtrays that just take take time. Is this one of them? So that's that's it. That must be that looks like the Cohiba. That's the Cohiba. It might be the Cohiba Maduro. Or the that's Cohiba the bottom ashtray. of the ashtray, Paul. Yeah. But that's yeah, that is the bottom. So you can see the Byron logo on there. So that this would be if that's if you pulled that off the internet, that's an older one. Okay. This could there's, be a Hall of Fame episode for Paul. <laughs> there's actually there's a there's an ashtray on the market that he had designed for um, I think the it was for Cohiba, but it's got little edges on the side, and then there's a there's a bowl, but the edges on the side, nobody will know this, and I know it was it was taken. Uh, by a couple other other companies and, and sold in the U.S. and kind of knocked off. But that design, it was done because it's actually the profile of the Cohiba Indian. And it was meant to be displayed at the Habanos Festival with a light shining on it so that when the light shines on the ashtray, you'll see the two Indian heads on the side, um, you know, broadcast on the on the screen in the back. So it's it's pretty, pretty amazing uh, work that he does. You know, we have meetings on Thursday to kind of prep for the show. And I, I literally said, hey, let's get some <laughs> pictures of the ashtrays because they were amazing looking ashtrays. Yeah, and, you know, this is what we get. Yeah, that one, that was not so amazing the one you showed, but that. No, yeah, the I mean, previous ashtrays you didn't right, show. Right, right. Gorgeous, 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 gorgeous stuff. Do you, want me to, do you want me to send you some stuff, Paul? Yeah, if you text it to me, right I can now? put it on. I, I honestly. Was not able to find any of them. Um, your buddy Coop and your buddy Garrett all said they have plenty of photos of them. It's, it's that hard work and effort once again. Garrett, anyway, send me a link or something if you can. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's, so, it's work. Um, yes, before the break, we were going to get more into the Adobe and Byron cigars and profiles. And why don't you? Hit on a little bit of those for any of our listeners who might be unfamiliar with the lines. With the with the sorry, the selected tobacco lines. Well, we, we talked about the Bandolero before the break, and we didn't yeah. really get much into the Atabay and the Byron and the blends and where, how, where those profiles land for our listeners who may be a little bit unfamiliar with them. Sure. So, so Atabay, when you look at Atabay, there are like like I mentioned, there are twelve different uh, vitolas, but. In the Atabay line, you're looking at an Ecuadorian, very thin Ecuadorian wrapper, um, what I, I consider near flawless. It uses a double binder uh, as well to hold it 
everything in place because also imagine as delicate as that wrapper is when it's going through the aging process of you know 40 percent to 70 percent the cigars you know shrinking and expanding um and then he'll use a lot of uh you know peruvian and uh you know dominican in the in the atabay and then age the atabay all atabays are aged for a minimum of five years post roll right in that aging aging room and the aging rooms that you saw Abe, those are going to be separate rooms um you know for for different uh we're looking at maybe different retailers uh have their their own rooms and then also just aging the cigars separately um then when you look at the byron lines of three different different centuries uh i touched on uh, a little bit so the 19th century is going to have the most body but what's interesting and what's also a little um it could be confusing about the byron line is that the 19th century all four vitolas in the 19th century have a different flavor profile because the petite poema is a smaller petite corona that's going to be the the one with the most pepper but then you go to the and that's aged for four years and when you look at the byron poema aged for three years it's it's completely different so the 19th century is going to be your your more medium to full when you go to the 20th century uh 20th century you have the the londines the uh the venecianos which is the torpedo the mesolongis which is a 7 by 58 and the habanero uh which is a more of a toro 6 by 50 54 on that one and then in the 21st century line or the, if we go back to the 20th century line sorry the nicaraguan's taken out like i mentioned uh, more dominican peruvian so a little more subtle on the upfront palette but uh but again very very smooth those are aged anywhere from three to five years as well then on the 21st century line those are all aged for four years post roll but um a couple things are interesting on the 21st century so Three of the sizes, the Aristocrat, which is a, an 8 by 52, the Honorables, um, 7 by 58, and the Elegante uh, Toro, 6 by 54, all use the Ecuadorian Atabe wrapper. Dominican binder, Dominican Peruvian filler, so a little, little, more, uh, little more subtle on the, on the palate, but there was a mistake in production. Um, <coughs> geez, this, was, this was early on. Because there was a mistake in production, a darker wrapper was used on the Distinguidos, which is also a six by fifty fifty four. the The mistake was the darker Ecuadorian wrapper, and when I started in two thousand sixteen, that wasn't it wasn't on the market. And I remember one time Nelson came out with ten count boxes of the Distinguidos just to kind of I hate to say blow through the product, but to kind of push the product out so he could go back to the other wrapper, and. I remember sitting down with him. I smoked it, and he explained the story to me. I said, "This isn't a mistake. This is this was meant to be because it's an absolutely phenomenal cigar. It changes the the profile of the cigar. So now you can actually smoke the Elegante next to the Distinguidos and see the difference a wrapper will make. Wow. So absolutely beautiful cigar. Um, on the Byron line as well, there are, in each century there's one size that is released in a 25 count humidor." So in the 19th century of the Grand Poema, in the 20th century of the Habanero, and the 21st century you have the Elegante. All Toro sizes, but that comes out once a year. Uh, every year it was uh, limited to 200 humidors, and I think uh, like now you know over time he's been able to increase production. This year we might be able to go to 300 humidors for that, uh, or the you know the 2023. Uh, so that will be released. Um, then on the Bandolero, again, three different, three different lines. Uh, you have the Serie A, the Aventureros line that uses a very dark Ecuadorian wrapper. 
uh, Peruvian Seco, um, Nicaraguan and Dominican fillers. And those Bandolero, all Bandolero age for a minimum of one to two years in that aging process. So, and I keep saying aging process because when, when I started smoking cigars and I would buy a box and I would set it aside and anything I ever read, if, if you close, like if you locked your doors today and your humidor today, you didn't revisit a cigar in there for five years, you would say it's a five-year-old cigar. And that's true. It's five years old, but the aging process is what makes selected tobacco unique to the industry because that cleansing of the, of the, the cigars, the um, introducing all those cedar notes into the cigar makes it completely different. So Bandolero, even though it's a more approachable line in uh, the selected tobacco portfolio, it's still aged one to two years. So the Aventureros is going to be a more fuller body with that darker wrapper. When you go to the clandestino line, it uses a, a lighter Ecuadorian wrapper, and that uses Peruvian Ligero. But Peruvian Ligero is much different than Nicaraguan Ligero or even Dominican Ligero. Um, so very, very unique, a little more subtle. So he'll just use that in the um, in the uh, the clandestino line, the Series C. So that's going to be medium body, but not again, not as much pepper up front. And then when you go to the Traficante line, the, the one you guys are smoking now, uh, the true the tremendos is the robusto, the five by fifty. Uh, but that's a Siri T, and that uses a little bit of Nicaraguan Lijero and just a little more body. So I could say that one medium medium plus, and you're going to have a little more of that pepper up front. But the retro hail on on Bandoleros, on uh, to me, unbelievable, absolutely love it. I have to commend you seriously because. We've interviewed a lot of guests. I've had a lot of manufacturers sitting across my desk. You just regurgitated all that data. I was watching your eyes. You didn't read a thing. And you'd be surprised, <laughs> man. People don't know their own sizes sometimes. Or yeah, yeah. You regurgitated all. Kudos to you because that was impressive yeah. for me. Thank you, thank you. Well, the line, the line to me is impressive. Like I said, when I sat down in 2016, I, did, I, I, I immersed myself in it. When I learned about Nelson... And you, you know, you met him once, and I don't know how long you were able to sit down with him, but he's just incredibly humble. Um, and I'm always blown away with the facts that he brings out and the stories, the history, um, because he he jumped into it. He he dove into he helped write the the book, The World of Habanos. So he was deep digging all this history. So he has all these stories that every time I sit down with him, it's something you know something new. Even like I said, the aging process and the cedar and how he's he's infatuated with cedar and how it will help age the cigars his the passion Alfonso, his passion is 100 percent apparent you could tell he couldn't wait yeah. to show us his aging rooms and what he was working on and to try this he and and you're right he's just a gentle humble person it was really a pleasure talking to him this year yeah and, and you know it's 100 passion because i mean abe you've been in business for a long time we're we're all in it for kind of the end game you might want to pass it down to family or you're in in it for the yeah. end game so um you know the end game is selling it and nelson you know he has passion because if somebody were to offer him uh, a set amount right now i want to buy your company I, I always kid with nelson i said you're a terrible businessman you're a genius but you're a terrible businessman because if somebody were to buy the company today they would strip half of what he does because yes there's cost involved and that's why you see an elevated cost but just like a scotch a bourbon a, a wine like everyone holds, we all hold, all, you know, those those three spirits and more in high regard, right? When we're, we're looking at a Macallan 25, you're like, oh, I'll pay that. Why not? That's worth it. But in cigars, everyone's like, oh, why is it that much? Oh, I'm not going to pay that much. But you're not you're not buying. Everyone, you, you have to stop thinking about the, the dollar amount because it's it varies for everybody. 
you have to think about the time. Is your time worth an hour and a half to smoke and sit down with an with an Atabay? And I can guarantee you, if you smoke the Atabay Byron Bandolero, you grab that that Vitola and you you smoke another Vitola from a different brand. The the Atabay and the Byron will have a tendency to smoke longer because the tobacco it's it's weighted heavier. Um, uh, the you know the aging of the tobacco it smokes slower and I find that I have a tendency to smoke it a little bit slower because it just takes me in, in into a different different area uh, mentally. So I'm really able to to kind of chill with it. Now you noticed saying that as far as trends in smokers' palates, people are looking for more complex blends, more so in the last few years. Is that true? Yeah, I, I think so. I think everyone's searching. You know, the good and bad about social media is it introduced people to a lot of different different brands but i think the negative side is everyone's looking for the new you know what's different i want something something more and then you know then go back to the good it also educated people on you know different different blends different cigars that you know their palates change uh you know again similar to spirits when we you know when i don't know if you guys yeah you guys everyone drinks so did you steal liquor from your parents or were you you know you're drinking mad dog 2020 you're drinking <laughs> um Man, I'll bad, stole liquor bad. from your parents and cigars from your parents. Wow. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I'm I'm a true bandolero. Right? All, that's <laughs> all I was doing stealing. So right, but we you, you're making that you know, the, the jungle juice, you're mixing everything together. It didn't matter because you were mixing it with something else. You're mixing it with Coke, you're mixing it with um, you know, we had we made up something called uh, Skipper Punch here in uh, you know my hometown in high school. It was just we're just throwing booze in and then you're you're grabbing um I forget what that that one Anyway, but we're throwing, you know, throwing juices in there just to, to mask the taste. So you mm -hmm. have cigars in the marketplace that that do that as well. It's some of it's under fermented and you can smell it on the on the foot. You can smell a cigar when it's under fermented, but under fermented tobacco can also be masked when you, you can't smell it necessarily. But when you start to smoke it, you start to have a bite in the back of the throat. So people don't think it's under fermented, but it's under fermented tobacco, and they look at it as like, wow, this is a really strong, powerful cigar. So there are, you know, there there are just different levels. I think the the consumer out there is much more educated, um, you know, because of social media. Before it was just magazines and uh, you know reviews that were out, but you know, customers are are hungry for information. So they they love the information that you provide. They love to experience new 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 cigars, and um, it, it I think it's a challenge, but. The, the cigar industry now, the construction was the one thing that I think we changed from early 2000s when there was the boom. Like the construction was terrible back then, but now terrible. if there's even a slight variation on the cigar, the burn line is, is one thing that I hear all the time. Um, you know, the burn is, is waving a little, but these are handmade products. Like if that's the only problem with the cigar, I think we're doing pretty well. Mm -hmm. Some people just have unrealistic expectations. You know of what a cigar is and how it should be. Not just in that. We had a guy. What was it yesterday? A guy was complaining about on social media that he should pay extra for UPS service, as if he was complaining that the package wasn't getting there enough. So you know, me being the guy, I'm just had to look it up. I was curious, right? He placed his order at 8 p.m., 8:30 p.m. on the 17th. We shipped it the 18th. And he made the comment on the nineteenth. I'm like, wow. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, maybe you should lower your expectations a little bit, yeah. slightly, slightly. And what, 
uh, you you probably don't know the age range, but look at look at what Amazon's done to us, right? I mean, that's, I, that's yeah, I've ordered, I've ordered stuff. It, come, it comes the same day. Like you can't, we can't do that. Yeah. And if if that's what you want, then just go to your local brick and mortar, support it. Um, hey, let me let me show you this too. I I grabbed. So this is the cellophane that's on all all Atabay Byron selected tobacco. So I don't have, I I knotted it up. But you can see see how it's brown. Yeah, you can see it. Yeah. So you can, you can see you can see the aging. Yeah, that's done on there too. So and for a while there, Nelson he was taking he was replacing the the cello because he he would see this and he's like, oh, it looks it looks dirty, it looks bad. And I was like, not not for the U.S. market, not at all. So the cigars <laughs> love are that. aged in the cello. They're aged in the cello, not in the boxes. The cigars no. are not placed into the box until right. they're ready to ship. Because traditionally, when but, you see aging rooms, they're not cellared yet. They sell. Well, your your cello is a little different, though, right? It's not. It's kind. Of, it's cut off at the bottom. Some, the, some yeah, some like the Atabay. Yeah. It breathes. It breathes. Yeah, it's got an open foot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah most, so he'll have an open foot. He he actually did a punch cut, and I think you're coming post punch cut on the uh, on the end of the cello. The problem with the punch cut. He wanted it to breathe, but the problem was when you take the cigar out of the cello, those the the little holes were catching the wrapper, raping the and wrapper, it was just and it was ripping it. Yeah, yeah, I, I and like it's, I find it very interesting because I can't recall seeing any aging room that had cello on the cigars. Yeah, now, now that I'm no, thinking no. about it, I'm not sure if anybody no, does that. No. It'd be interesting. Now I'm gonna pay more attention. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, he took me. He took me on a tour of the uh, the room down in in Miami, and he just has shelves, and it's all the cedar. He showed it to me when he stripped everything out. He'll take everything out of the humidor, shave it down, and then put the cigars back in because he wants a fresh layer of cedar. Yeah, it's great. Um, it's unbelievable. It's well, every week we have our KMA contributor, our dear friend, join us on the show to give us up to date news on what's going on in the cigar industry. So let's take a moment to find out right now what is the scoop with Coop. Hey, yo, what's my theme music? The scoop with Coop. Breaking industry news. Hear it first on KMA Talk Radio and cigar-coop.com. Coopa. Good morning. Coop, I just got to ask. Coop. Oliver. How does it feel? How does it feel when your buddy, who we correspond pretty much all week via text, doesn't even reach out to you to get something like simple thing like a photo of accessories or something? <laughs> Paul, Paul, <laughs> I, I didn't know what you're doing to me. Not, not only, I, not only am I hurt, right? First of all, I'm not. You're gonna have to deal with the calls from half wheel using the photos, right? Not me. But, I gave, um, I gave him credit. You notice I gave him thanks, real, yeah, you know, okay. real but, quick when you saw that. But, it, but here's the thing. I'm really proud because we did a, a lot of coverage on United and Selected this year, um, pre and post show. And I and and Oliver, I guess he gave us a lot of time at the trade show. So we had a ton of information and photos out there. We may not have every photo, and I get that, but. But no, I was kind of bummed on that. I gotta be honest with you, Paul. I, 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 I mean, I defend you. I think sometimes you take an, an unfair pounding, but this one, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's never unfair pounding. <laughs> That's not and, true. And to Coop's, to Coop's credit, too, you made, you made an appointment. You were there before the show, you know, before the show opened. So we had, you know, we had time. The VIPs come in at that, you know, that point yeah. too. But you were in early. We were able to, to hammer everything out, and there was a lot to cover, but. It yeah, was a lot, it, and it was really two booths because Selected Tobacco right. and United had two booths, and uh, so right, there was right. there was a lot out there. 
Um, and you know, by the way, that that the boost was so impressive. I mean, somebody put Casey's comment up there. It's worth uh, sharing. There you go. <laughs> now, I feel, now I feel better. For those for those who Paul's worried about who are listening audio and can't see it, basically our fan KMA fan Casey Aldamondi says Paul never gets pounded enough. You how long have you known him? You still say his name wrong. And there Coop- are people there are people who I will forever say their name wrong. Aldamondi, Guttermerson. Um, I know it's Guttormson, but that's it. It's stuck in my head. He will always be Eric Guttermerson. Tim Osinger, how do you say his name? Osinger is kind of how it's said. It's Mm, it's Osinger. I think it's Osinger. It could be Osinger, but I've heard Osinger my whole life. But just in my defense, Coop does not have pictures of the ashtrays on him. I did not. We did not picture the ashtrays. Uh, Correct. I'll give you that one. Yes, that's why I said. But here is a picture of the ashtray. That oh, look at that thing. And let me tell you something. I'm going to be honest. That picture doesn't do it justice. It really does. Yeah. No, because it's about six inches. Those peaks, they're about yes. six inches high, right? So it's it just, it's like waves. Even the simple low profile Alfonso ashtray, like that's the one I want to have in my house. That was a yeah. gorgeous ashtray. Um, so uh, what, were we, what were we just, because I was going to ask Coop's opinion, what were we just talking about? Right about before me. he put up, put up the ashtray. Oh, man. You were bashing me. Paul, get, Paul getting pounded. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can't Paul, remember. Paul getting pounded. God dang it. God I don't think we were going to ask Coop that. He threw me a curveball with that ashtray. <laughs> Anyways, Coop, what is this, what's going on this week? All right. So the first story, Abe, I think you and I are going to agree with this one for a change, right? Because I, 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 I heard you on Smoke Night Live last night. Um, <laughs> Um, and it, this news came out of Arturo Fuente with the resignation of Liana Fuente. Uh, so that occurred earlier this week. Surprised a lot of people. I think more is being made out of this than it is. Um, but no, I mean, she's resigned. It was, you know, there was, I don't think there was really any reason given other than maybe she wants to do something different and make a life change, which um, I, you know, again, coming from family business, I, I kind of understand this. And I don't think people realize this sometimes. And I'm, I'm hearing all sorts of, like, crazy things. I mean, the truth is we really don't know. But someone has a right to leave their job if they don't want to work their job and if, or if they have lifestyle things they want to deal with. So I think more is being made out of this than well, eBay. What you got to ask yourself is, look, there have – look, I believe that um, – Ernie Jr. left the company. You know, why was a press release needed? People come and go. I mean, I, I don't know. You know, you know, by making a press release, especially without saying where she was going or what she was doing, was going to cause people to wonder and talk. And I'm, I don't know if a press release was even necessary. If you're not going to be, I agree in this case. I, I I do think the press release is okay, but you, you can't go halfway with it is what I'm saying. You got to either, because right. you left it open too much, too much questioning there. And, you know, the, the more you're going to not say is the more people are going to think. Yeah. So I, I, I agree with you in that case. Um, I personally don't think it's really anybody's business. Like I said, you know. It, really, is, it isn't. No, it isn't. Yeah. Um, you're, you're 100% right on that. People have a right, like. We, I think we get wrapped up in this, and maybe me as media, I'll put in there as well. But uh, like I said, people have personal reasons sometimes why they want to do that, and it's not—they don't have to share that with the world. Nope. 
Nope. So I, I yeah. we agree on this one. You and I agree on this one. <laughs> Shocker. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, yeah and I think I think just to touch on on like press releases, press releases are, are put out just so people will you know will will talk about you if they want to pick it up. But it's up to the media if they want to pick it up if they think it's it's uh, newsworthy. But I think for this one, it's challenging if they don't bring up you know or give enough information because then the speculation. Even though we're look, we're right. talking about it now, so it's a name. But then there's too much speculation on something like this that yeah, more information should have been provided. But yeah, I mean for me, if I can put out a press release for anything. Uh, you know, I will. And if it gets picked up, great. People are talking about it. Right. And uh, when you're looking for a photo later on and you have that press release, you know, you can go grab that photo. (laughs) (laughs) What else you got going on, Coop? All right. I'm going to keep glad Oliver's on because uh, we could tie this in a little. But uh, we talked about this last week. And uh, it has kind of, I think, really – I mean, I could tell you a lot of people in the circles I talk have been just talking about this this NFT auction by La Florida Minicana for the Golden Bulls. Oh. Um, and, you know, these – there was some serious coin, I think, um, dropped in the past week. Like, we were talking about that first auction last week. That coin went for – or not coin. NFT went for $85,000. Um, there's been three more NFTs sold, and – Two of them went for ninety thousand dollars, and I know from when we were at the booths for Little Florida Minicana, they were hoping to get between like thirty-six to forty thousand dollars. I don't think they imagined that this thing was going to take off the way it did. I don't think anybody in the universe did. No. Um, so there's three more well, because nobody nobody understands NFTs. No, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. Right. And we did. We it, did one, but it does, it still doesn't make sense. But yeah. Yeah, you guys, and I was going to say, you guys did one with, but yours was a little different because this one was like, there was an NFT component, right. and then you had to write, with the LFT, you had to write to buy these cigars, kind of like as a personal seat license at a football uh, ticket, so to speak. Um, right. So that was, right. I talked to I talked to the guy who won the first two Bitcoins, and he actually was telling me this was more about the NFT investment, I think, for him. Like that's why this it's got to be. Yeah. As a, as a retailer, yeah. I've done the math. Yeah. There's no, because listen, you can't be like, Brian Lewis. I love this guy. I can listen to him all day long, and then I want to jump off a cliff. You can't. <laughs> you can't that there's going to be a hundred buyers every month for ten months. Seventy, you know, buyers every month for ten months to pay a hundred dollars for a cigar. No. That's, I mean, that, that's this big, right? Right, right. That's this big. I mean, you don't know how long it's going to last. So, if you're buying it as an investment, you know, of I'm going to make money on this cover, man, that's about as risky as an investment you can get. I've been saying it all week. These people have to believe that there's a value in the NFT. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. Time out. Wait. I just. You might want to check your math case. Yeah. Do, we let it, do we let him work on the register? You might want to check your math there, bro. Just saying. I want to delete that comment. Yeah, but when you, when you're here's <laughs> the problem. Like we when we launched the Atabe Black um, Ritos NFT, that was more conceptual, right? We're we're testing the market. Um, you know, is it coming to market? Uh, you know, possibly. Uh, you know, there's there's something in in production. I'll say. So we were. It was more of a conceptual thing and when we did it we were we were raising money for cigar rights of the world 
Um, so everything from the NFT, because there's no there's no inventory for us. It's you know the the work put into it. It was really Nelson's design. So if you're looking at the graphic artist, whatever you pay them hourly, you know you call, you put that into the cost. There's a cost to upload it to um, OpenSea.io. Uh, I think is where you know where it's there. It is. Wow, look at that. Um, so like this is 25 out of 25. We were selling the the singles. Uh, we sold the box of 25 uh 25 singles so you would buy the single yes you have you have the nft as yours and in the future you know whatever that means um you know we're kind of leaving that uh open but it was to raise money and awareness for cigar rights of the world then when you bought the box we put 10 boxes out and when you bought the box that's going to get you you know some access to something later but all the funds are going to cigar rights of the world um, when you're buying an NFT, it's already a very unique market because nobody understands what an NFT is. Why am I going to buy something that's not tangible, that's just out there? Um, so when you're looking at NFTs, it's already a, a select market. But then when you're going into cigars in the NFT world, that's an even smaller market. So to put value, I mean, I, I hope it works out. I hope they, um, you know, oh, it's worked out for the floor. It's worked out for the floor. 100%. Exit, the way they executed it, you know, brilliant in a way without uh, looking at their making kind of, thousand. If they could put that same kind of execution in cigar production, then we'll really be talking. Sorry, John. That, that's kind of why. That's kind of why you were one of my holds last night. <laughs> but the NFT, yeah, the NFT world. I know we got. I mean, we got both sides of it. Um, you know, we got a little flack. I know you guys had. You know, you guys had a little flack because it didn't make sense. It still doesn't make sense. But again. Where you know if we can raise a little bit of money for for someone we uh, we wanted to, and it was more of a conceptual thing just to see, um, you know, what we could do with Adabay. Yeah, I thought exactly. I was like, I'll be honest, I was confused by it, but at the same time, you threw out this concept on there that if this is something you are going to put into production, um, it kind of was a way to kind of show it, you know. So right. I I kind of and then so I, I kind of understood that part of it. Uh, I, I guess that, uh, the NFT thing is still beyond me. Uh, but that's me being old school, I guess, more than anything. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, it's beyond me too. Ethereum, because you had to have Ethereum to buy the NFT. But Ethereum went down. I mean, it was up to I don't know twenty four hundred at one point per coin. It went down to nine hundred. I think it's back up to nineteen hundred. So your investment, even just in Ethereum, if you have coins sitting there, well, now you bought something else. And we've had people that have already sold their their NFTs. Um, you know, for for a profit. So do you know if it works out? Do you know if someone sells them or no? Yeah, yeah. You get notifications. It's all that blockchain is is all, um, um, yeah, it's yeah. all mapped out. So you see where it goes. That's yeah, exactly, it's fully transparent. That's exactly how I feel. That blockchain is, uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's a blockchain. It's a blockchain. <laughs> right. Right. What it else? makes us happy to say it's a blockchain, right? Like we know yeah. what we're talking about, but yeah, right? it's a blockchain. Yeah, right. <laughs> what else we got going? Oh, Casey's throwing in his Bitcoin knowledge. Yes, it's all in the ledger. Yeah, oh, ledger. That's good. It must not require math. That's why he knows a lot about Bitcoin. Yeah. Anyways, what else is going on, Coop? Anything else? Uh, one other thing: uh, Zeno, uh, the Zeno brand under Davidoff um, has a new size of the Zeno Nicaragua coming out in a six by 60 and if folks aren't familiar with xeno nicaragua it's more of a value priced uh xeno offering so uh that 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 line was released last week less than that week last year the the gordo is going to be uh the fourth size to come in there and um 
just an FYI, there's also some cigarellos that are going out to Europe under that name, but you know, just you're not gonna be able to get them here. So the Zeno Gordo, uh, you can look forward to that. And then just uh, from Drew Estate, Nika Rustica is shipping next week, and they have announced again that they're gonna announce another cigar under their Freestyle Live program. Is, is that what that program is now? Just an announcement of cigars? Is that what Freestyle Live is? It seems to be, it seems to be that they're they're doing it twice a year. It, they've had success with it, and, um, so they release these unbanded cigars with some swag, and they sell a kit uh, that retailers get, and it's you know. And then the idea is you smoke the cigars, and then they have their like, quarterly podcast where they unveil what the cigar is. It's it's been an interesting concept that's worked for them. What are you saying, Alex? Sorry, I just had kind of store club. Um, oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, he was one of our first people to sign up. He was one of the first. To he sign was. Up. Joe Grow was one of the first people to sign up for it. Yeah. Um, do do you listen? The six by sixties always kind of been a novelty size. Do you feel it's worked its way into now just being a standard size, like a Toro, Robusto, Churchill, Torpedo, Gordo? I do. It, now, and I find that insane. And I think but I think the seventies have stayed novelty. I don't think they've caught. I on think like anything above sixty is still extremely novelty. Yeah, but it, the problem is that, and we talk about this all the time because. You know, we used to have lines that we couldn't keep the 60 ring gauges in stock, flying out the door, flying out the door. And now we just find ourselves with a plethora of 60 ring gauge cigars, and none of them are flying out the door. They're all trickling. I think they've just divided that yes. already, as they told me I pronounced wrong all last night, niche. Um, they've taken an already niche segment and dissected it eight ways to Tuesday. How are you supposed to say it? I was saying niche, 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 no. niche. I can't remember yeah, what but I was how saying. Do you, yeah, you, you were saying it right both ways. How do you say yeah, it? Yeah, I think it's, on, it's made its motto. It's region. Uh, yeah, they were beating oh, up on me because I was saying it wrong last night. But. Yeah, they're on, they're, on the, they're on the West Coast. <laughs> <laughs> but but definitely, Abe. It's they're eating I mean, gummies. I, what do they know? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, definitely the case. I mean, I remember like 10, 12 years ago, La Gloria Cubana, Serie R. They, I knew people who were big fans that would, would always go to that. Yeah, the Grand Habanos, right? So there weren't a lot of choices back 2010 to 2012. Now there's a lot more choices. And I do know a lot of 60 ring gauge smokers, and they're very particular. Um, and they tend to be they tend to be a little more brand, uh, brand loyal in, in a lot of those cases, uh, the 60 ring gauge guys who just like that cigar. Alex, know, do you ever smoke a 60 ring gauge? Right, I I enjoy them, but it has to be blended to it's it's the same with like Lancero, it's got to be blended to the size. I mean, if you try to uh, take like a Corona Gordo and make it a Gordo, it usually doesn't work. And same going to Lancero, it's got. I'm not a big guy. Holding a sixty ring gauge is yeah. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a bigger. Oh, no, I was just grabbing mine. I was just gra I was just grabbing mine. One of our socialites said this. No, this is like a hundred and something. Uh, Eighty. Yeah, that's like, an, that's like a normal ape size cigar. Okay, now. I, I smoked Asylum's ninety. Actually, it's going to be coming right. up for review. It's for, that is way too big to smoke. For, it's for just, reference to a robusto. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Are you going to smoke that? Can you smoke that on air? No. Oh come so, on. I'll, I'll say I don't think it's made it into the you know the category of the you know the robustos toros. Right, because you look at even even Lancero hasn't even 
it hasn't even gone into for our market for the US no, market. No, six right, by six right? is way surpassed Lanceros, in my opinion. It, right, so it surpassed it, but I don't. I wouldn't put it in that category because we've even said I, I don't. Sixties, even fifty-six starts to get too big. Fifty-eight, sixty, me too. too big. So I don't think like it's out for me. Yeah, in, in your wheelhouse, when you're ordering, you'll order it because there's a market for it. People will buy it, and it, and it sells for that customer. But I don't think it's in the. But what, you know, what I'm trying spot. to say is, it's becoming a more staple size and new releases and new lines more acceptable lines sure. that didn't have it. it it's starting to float toward yeah. to this is a staple production size it's it's well, i'm starting to see yeah. it if, if well look said, at good oliver no yeah i was just gonna say look at the look at the robusto you smoked today the bandolero that's a that was that's a robusto five by 50 but everyone looks at that if now and i don't say necessarily today's market but today's smoker if you looked at that and showed that to someone and say hey is this a robusto I think a lot of people would just say, "No, that's too that's too small. That looks like right. a Corona." Because they're so used to seeing huh. something big, right? Yeah. Right. I'm with Alex. Fifty four and under. That fifty is right around. You know. You know, that's... I like a. Here's what I I think. Are you talking about your height it. or? <laughs> I'm a I'm a small guy. I'm not gonna yeah. lie. I'm about our age. Seven on a good day. Yeah. You know, I don't see a lot of manufacturers do it, but when you take a sixty and if you taper the head, so it has a. That's a pretty good smoke, and I've seen a few people do it, where it doesn't feel like you're smoking the 60, uh, but you can kind of get all the nuances of the fillers, uh, which are sometimes very good. And I've seen a few companies do it, but not a lot. I could handle that, I guess, if it's tapered yeah. down to a smaller yeah. size. Yeah. 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 Anything else you got going on, Coop? That's it. Well, well cool. thank you for your news well, this yeah. week. Oh, Coop, sorry. nothing else? Nothing else? Uh-oh. Oh, oh, yes, we do. Yes, we oh. do. I, 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 how can I forget that? Oh, uh, my God. So, oh, my God. I got so, go. Yeah, I did. I did. I did. It actually <laughs> just didn't make it in my notes here, but that's because it was a little chaotic yesterday, you know. Uh, the Wiseman uh, Maduro, which I think was one of the most successful cigars launched by Foundation Cigar Company, last year uh, United Cigar released it in the 35 by 50 Firecracker. And um, next week that cigar is coming back for another run. Right, re-releasing. Yep, which thousand, I'm hoping to get my hands on this yeah. time. By the way, I haven't smoked that one, but I'm hope. Yeah, huh. yes. Uh, maybe, maybe you know some people. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be talking. <laughs> yeah, but no. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you know, we when Wiseman Duro came out in like 2017, and you do the end of the year list, that was the one that won Half Wheels consensus. But I'm telling you, that cigar was on everyone's list that blend that year. Yeah. Um, and what's Wiseman cool Maduro? It's Wiseman a great Maduro. cigar. Yeah, what's cool yeah. about the firecracker is you get it in a rounded format as opposed to that's a box press line, but the firecracker is unique in that it is a uh, a rounded format. Um, mm -hmm. so I mean, you guys have taken the firecracker and you've done a great job at making that like a national limited release uh, for, for yeah, a lot of thank retailers. You. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, so I, I mean, the Bandolero one, I smoked the Bandolero one recently. It's unbelievable, oh, was, off the charts. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, again, Bandolero, that even that firecracker had a year to two years of aging. Yeah. Yes. And we we received it, I think, in January. We didn't release it until June. It just continued to age because Nelson uses a strip of cedar inside the box as well. So, yeah, yeah phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. yeah, so I was glad to see that come back for another run on that. Um, and there's like a thousand boxes. You guys have it at, correct? Correct. Yeah. All right. Well, for more information, can't keep up with news, visit cigar-coop.com. Always bringing you update news teaser and rumor free we got about six minutes to finish up two segments so let's take it into right into teletape season five 
All right. right. Here we go. Tale of Tape Season 5. We are on number 7. Let's take it from the top. Abe, go ahead. Yeah, let's keep it quick. Um, Obviously, uh, this guy, I I believe, has got to be on almost everybody's top 10 list. Hannibal Lecter. I love you, Mike. You yeah. want to talk about a bone chilling? And listen, it's funny because this movie kind of technically has two really good villains. Because you know, uh, uh, Buffalo Bill, uh, totally. You know, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, he's he was his eerie job, but this guy epitomizes intelligence, eeriness, bone chilling scariness. I mean, this guy has to be in everybody's mm-hmm. top ten. Mine's Hannibal Lecter from Silence of the Lambs. Not, not multiple Migs in the next oh. cell. Not multiple Migs in the next cell. No, right? <laughs> you know, Take it away, that, Paul. Okay, yeah, oh, go, go ahead. No, I was going to say, that was a good pick. And the one we're always waiting for. Unmute Not yourself. I'm going? Too All right. Far. So uh, my pick this week is the Evil Queen from Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Uh, Alex chose to pick her beautiful form, but of course she turns into the ragged old lady that uh, feeds Snow White the poison apple. There we go. All right, my pick coming in at number seven is John Doe from the movie Seven. Uh, great yeah. character. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the few villains who actually technically won, really got to fulfill his mission in the iconic what's in the boxing where he got Officer David Mills to actually shoot him in the head, which is what he wanted. Uh, you know, he was borderline for me and only because he really wasn't physically in the movie for like for half short, the movie, yeah. Right, for a short period of time. I, I, I contemplated him. He was on my contemplation list. Coop. All right. I'm going to probably take crap for Abe on this one, but um, pretty much. Damien Thorne <laughs> from Damien Omen 2. I like I like this one. Oh. This, this, if you follow the, the Omen trilogy, this was the second movie, and this is where Damien kind of finds out who he is. Uh, and he, I just think like the best child villain role uh, that was my favorite of the trilogy movies, by the way, was the second. Um, and, uh, yeah, Damien Thorne. No, it's like not, it. that's not that bad of a pick. You know, I just steered away from that genre as a whole, but he, he was he was freaky. I, I was debating, like, I was debating not including it, but he just really was a villain. And he just had that evilness to it that, you know, like, he was much more evil than the evil queen. I mean. I like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I think that was right around the time that Computer Pop came out, didn't it? Or Computer, what was that song? <laughs> uh, computer Love. Look, I'm a computer music love. guy. I, I, I heard a song. I didn't get that cool. one. That was, that was unfair. I, that, I, 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 look, I, I got That was a hard one, yeah. All right. You can't always be classic rock. Let's, took, let's take a look at the leaderboard, the boards there. Yeah, so that far. Not on there because our dear graphic designer who made the image did not put it where it was supposed to be. Ah, uh, yeah. Paul, Paul, I think next next segment uh, we do with these, there's got to be a Disney cap or something that we have. What to do you mean? In. What are you talking about, <laughs> Coop? You don't know what my picks are. Maybe that's all I did for Disney. Shocker. Uh- Shocker! I mean, Jafar right. still hasn't come up I, yet. I, so. I don't want to mess up the list. Can I throw? Because I've, I've listened to a few, you know, a few of the shows. I always wanted to jump on one. Sure, but come on, Billy Zane from Dead Calm. Good one. Well, I oh. thought I thought he was brilliant. Yeah, like just like the personality changes, and you know, he was just that eerie, creepy, respectable, villain. respectable. But Billy Zane's just kind of creepy, anyway. <laughs> if you yeah. look at all his roles, he's a good actor, but. You, you, when I look at a Billy Zane, I just kind of think 
he's kind of creepy in real life. He's probably one of these eccentric, you know, I could yeah. be dead oh, wrong. Sure. I know nothing for a fact, but that's the vibe I get from watching him. <laughs> he was great. He was great in Zoolander. Yeah, right? So, um, in traditional fashion, we like to close every show with our special feature segment from the fine folks over at Gurkha Cigars. We have three questions for you before you exit the show, Oliver. We're going to ask you right now, would you rather? Brought to you by the fine folks over at Gurkha Cigars. I have three questions for you, and you're just going to have to tell us which way you're going to go. First question for you, Oliver. Would you rather spend, you know, you have to have the right guest to ask this question. Would you rather spend the rest of your life bald or the rest of your life without eyebrows? <laughs> I'd go bald. Yeah. Bald Bald's where? Top, top or yeah, bottom? Yeah, top, top. It ain't that bad. Oh, top, right. Yeah. I, bald. I, I, bald. Yeah, I'd go Num- bald. bald. Number two. Would you rather that Backwoods be the only cigar you could ever smoke or White Castle the only hamburger you could ever eat? No, Jesus. Uh, no, I... I uh, Alex looks good. Alex is like... Wow. <laughs> look at his face. Deep like, thought. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd, go, I'd go White Castle. Yeah, White you're, just gonna be, you're just going to be sick the rest of your life. But I yeah, love but that. Yeah, 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 but you can't eat other food. It just means that exactly. if you're going to have a hamburger, that's the only yeah. hamburger you'll ever have for the rest of your life. Alex, you're, you look a little preserved. Is that a harder call for you? No, no, no way. I mean, I'm not, you know, if it's backwards, that's it. I'm done smoking. I mean, White Castle, <laughs> I can deal with it. You got, there are always tacos. There are always tacos. Right. Okay. And in, in, in tribute to this week's activities and being creative as I am, would you rather be gifted an NFT that someone paid $90,000 for or receive $5,000 cash? I'll go NFT. Really? Yeah. Yeah, because that's an unknown. That could go to, that could go to millions of 5,000. It's going to be 5,000. I'm curious on this one. Coop? I would definitely go to NFT because even if I flip it the next day, I mean, I could probably, even if I flipped it for one tenth of that, but I'd still have more money than the 5,000. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. Hey, I guess I didn't think that one through. Should have made the cash number a little bit higher. Yeah. Yeah, I would go with the NFT for sure. Because you, you, you well, yeah, you have to know there'd be another buyer. Yeah, that wasn't a good question. My faux pas, but thank you for playing. Would you rather, Oliver Nuvad? Thank you for coming on KMA Radio. Yeah, awesome having this. Thank you, thank you, guest. Coop. As always, thank you for your contribution. Keeping thank us you guys. With what's going on in the industry? We hope we entertained you guys all this Saturday morning. Made you laugh. Maybe taught you a few things. Catch us next Saturday. Oops, as we have. Kirk Kendall, this is a re, this is a redo. Oh, nice. uh, I think something happened. Technical Paul got sick while I was gone. So we're having Kirk Kendall from 724 Cigars. Other than that, everybody have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Keep it lit. <laughs>